DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Ah, boom! We're joined now by David Dixon, BYU TV football analyst and former BYU linebacker. David, good morning. Good morning. What's going on, fellas? Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> However, there's not as much stuff going on with BYU as there has been going on. They had a nice little rhythm there. They were playing every week after the Army game. That got lost. But after that, everything everything went off as scheduled. It was a good run. They blew out a bunch of teams. And now they're playing once in four weeks. And it's against the North Alabama team that's 0-3. And they had a blowout by a lot. So what are you looking for in this game? You know, there's there's not much to look for in this game. I mean, it's a North Alabama team that's really bad. Uh, but this is one of those original games that BYU had scheduled on their on their schedule this year, and and they've stuck with it and kind of honoring the game. But uh, you know, this is one of those ones where starters suit up, you play for the first half, and expect to probably not play coming out of halftime, and let the backups play and and just kind of keep cruising victory. So. Uh, but I will say, as, as fans and, frankly, as coaching staff and players in these type of games, you want to come out in that first half and have a very clean game. The last thing you want to do is have to play your starters in the second half. And so uh, you're still playing for something. You're playing for pride on your side of the ball. Uh, but I, I think the players, coaching staff, everyone's fully aware that uh, this is a game that, that should be pretty, pretty much decided probably by the end of the first quarter. So obviously every year has some seniors on there. I think that uh, from your perspective, let's go with the defense, and we, we know who those guys are. How important do you think it is for these younger guys to maybe get a little bit of a leg up on the competition going forward when these other veteran d- dudes get out of school and move on to make your mark now so you get your mo- your name in the coach's mind? Hey, I'm your guy at fill-in-the-blank position. Hundred percent, and listen. With the new changes, where kids can play four games and still have their redshirt year, and of course, then this year you add on top of the whole COVID situation and everyone basically getting a year. Um, you know, it's 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 huge to be able to to go out there and, and kind of show the coaches what you got, like you alluded to. Um, and so it's just more opportunity. I mean, for for the starters, they're like this game's a throwaway game. But you're right for the young kids. It's like, hey, this is my Super Bowl, right? I mean, here's here's a chance for me to actually play some meaningful minutes uh, there in the second half and, and get some game-like reps and, and uh, you know, have what it feels like to play in a, in a real game versus playing in obviously practice scrimmages. So uh, for some of these guys, it's a big deal, and they're preparing uh, to, to, be out, to, to play this week, and, uh, and so they're, they're excited. So I think it goes both ways. And frankly, I remember being a senior, and you get excited for these younger guys, right? I mean, these are the guys that are on the practice squad th- during the week that are, that are uh, you know, they don't get a lot of praise, obviously, during game time. Um, and now it's kind of their time to shine. So as a senior, as a starter, you want to go out there and perform because you want to try to get them as much time as well. So it kind of goes full circle for the whole team. Uh, and, and I can say that, you know, those starters will be sitting on the sideline and they're just as pumped for the backups and these third stringers that get some action and go in there and contribute and maybe have a touchdown or a big play on defense, whatever it may be. And I guarantee those upperclassmen are stoked to see that happen and, and are, are there rooting them on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's – you know, here, here's the other flip side to it, too. Uh, if you are a starter, this is one of those stats games where you can, you can add on to your stats. You can get some sacks. Uh, you can obviously – if you're Zach Wilson, you can try to go out there and go 15 for 15 or whatever it may be, right? 
So you go out there, it's a stat game, you try to pad your stats. At the end of the season, they're not going to break it down and say, hey, you had these stats in these games. They're just going to look at your overall stats. Uh, and this is an opportunity to go out there and pad them a little bit. So, you know, there's still definitely something to play for, and it's one more opportunity. Uh, you know, we talked about this week to week out, and especially this year with COVID, I mean, you only have so many opportunities. And so you can't just sit there and let one of them just go by without you being prepared and, and uh, you know, being excited to play. So I think the guys will be ready, especially coming off a of bye week. Uh, typically coming off bye weeks, there's a little bit of rust you got to shake off. And I think you'll probably see that with this team, just coming out there hopefully being laser-focused and, and prepared. And they kind of roll from the get-go. And then, like I said, they, they give it up to the younger kids later in the game. So as a scout team player, how often – were you were you on the scout team early in your career, or were you just you were just the man? He's David Nixon, he didn't know scout team, you idiot. <laughs> That's what I said. Was he the man? Hey, listen, listen. I did. I wasn't scout team at BYU, but I was a I, I was practice squad in the NFL, so I, I felt both sides for sure. So I'm just curious how often a scout team player is allowed to tackle somebody. What is the window? I mean, there must be some early season scrimmage where you get to. Most of the time you're doing the other team's defense and scheme, and maybe a DB can show his skills because he's allowed to break up a pass. But if you're in the front seven, uh, maybe linebackers and pass coverage a little bit. But, I mean, you 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 literally don't get to show coaches, yeah, I can tackle guys. Yeah, listen, ball camp, everyone's tackling. You know, not everyone. I mean, there's going to be days and certain drills where the coach will say, hey, this is going to be live. Uh, and so everyone gets to, to participate and tackle. But the second the season starts and you're a practice squad player, uh, yeah, you don't touch the starters. Right. You don't touch the second <laughs> stringers. I remember, I remember a couple instances where, you know, the, the, the thing with a practice squad, too, is they don't play on Saturday, so they're not banged up and they're not tired. In fact, they got a nice little day off when, the, when all the other guys were playing. So you show up to practice the next week, and these guys are out there just running around. They've got full energy, and you're still trying to get over a bum ankle or – some other injury that you, that incurred during the game. Uh, and anyway, sometimes they have a little bit too much zest for life. And uh, I remember a couple of times coaches, you know, coaches after they, the practice squad player would try to come block me or, um, you know, try to go a little too hard. Coaches would get onto him pretty bad. And you kind of felt bad for the kids. Uh, but you kind of got to know your role during the season. And knowing your role kind of comes into play right now where, once again, here's your role. Here's an opportunity that you'll be able to play. And so I guarantee you those kids are ants. Uh, they're probably telling their parents to try to make it down for the game because here's their, here's their moment for this season where they get to shine. Uh, and I'm telling you, the whole team loves that. And, and that's, the, that's the goal is let's take care of business, first and second stringers, and allow these younger kids an opportunity to play because they've worked their butt off. I mean, those practice squad kids, I mean, it's a, it's a tough life, right? I mean, like I said, you get no glory during most of the majority of the season. Uh, and, and you're just kind of a punching bag, and it's it's not very fun. But even more, all the props to the kids that stick with it the whole season. But uh, but there are some games typically in every season where they do get to shine, and this is one of those this week. So, um, I mean, that's the exciting part. You get to see some of the younger talent and, and get those game reps, and, of course, you're starting to try to build that base for next season now that we're getting towards the end of the season, which is crazy to think about. So the fact they played seven weeks in a row under this world in which we live in is just absolutely awesome. Everybody would agree with that, particularly when we see teams here locally that aren't on the field at all yet. And so they've got this bye this last week. That's not unusual. You would think that that's something that happens just about every season. You know, at some point in this time, it happened to be in November, you get the bye. But my point where I'm going with this, and you got the game this Saturday, and that's fine, and they should win. We all know that. But I'm concerned going forward about the next two weeks 
of not playing. That's where it gets really weird as far as what we normally would see. And then you come back, and I suppose you can, can, you can compare it a little bit maybe to – uh, the end of the season, and then if you play in one of those early bowl games, I guess, and so maybe maybe I'm making too much of it. But I'm concerned about being able to keep the rhythm of the team and the flow and all that stuff over these next two weeks after this week. Do you think it's crucial that they get a game in maybe uh, a week from Saturday after Thanksgiving? And, and then how about the Utes, David? <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot to discuss here, obviously, right? I think we touched on it last week as well. Um, I, I think you got to find a way to play. I mean, these players are hot, and it's a, it's a team that's shown that, uh, you know, they're taking care of business. They're, they're playing up and to their, all their opponents and taking care of business. Um, and so I think you want to try to give them as many opportunities to showcase their talents. But at the same time, I think with what they did to Boise State, the convincing win that they had, I think they've done enough to prove that they belong in a New Year's Six game. And here's the thing about the New Year's Six game – that payout for BYU is huge. You're independent, and you don't have to go share that with anybody else. That payout is big time. And especially in a year when, as we know, the finances with every athletic department are struggling. Uh, as we saw, BYU just laid off some of their uh, you know, SID uh, contacts there, um, probably because of budgetary purposes. And so, you know, it's a, it's a big deal to be able to get one of these big payouts. So if I'm Tom Homo at the same time, I'm like, listen, I don't want to jeopardize this. I don't want to go, go schedule a marshal or somebody that – potentially we could go out there and lose to, uh, or, or for some reason we, maybe we eke out a, a win against a team that's just mediocre. Next thing you know, it's changing uh, the, the mindset of the committee to put us in at, at an at-large uh, bid to one of these New Year's Six games. And so I, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. Of course, as a, as a fan and as a player, you, I think you'd want one more opportunity. Yeah, let's, let's line up whoever. But when you take a step back and you look at the uh, kind of re- repercussions of trying to schedule somebody – and you potentially lose or you don't look great and you potentially forfeit that in your sixth bowl game, I don't know. A lot of it comes into play. So I imagine Tom's probably fielding calls here and there. Uh, yeah, we saw the comments from the Pac-12, the Colorado, I think it was a Colorado AD, right, where he said, listen, we'll, we'll explore yeah. any po- potential possibility to play somebody. Right. Um, so I don't know. I think the, the landscape's obviously changing daily right now. And we've seen – I mean, you saw with the UCLA game, right? They put that game together in, what, 48 hours? Yeah, I mean, everything's possible. Everything's on the table. But I think you also be, have to be uh, smart about going out there and, and scheduling these games, thinking about kind of the end goal, right, to be able to play one the year six game and, and get a big payout for that your athletic program definitely needs right now. David Nixon joining us, former BYU linebacker. So when you look across the country and you look for a comp to BYU – who have you seen playing college football this year? And I realize you haven't seen much of the Pac-12. But who have you seen where you've said, that's about what BYU is. That would be a really competitive game, and I'd like to see him play. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring on Clemson. What are you talking about? <laughs> now, I'll tell you what. I've, uh, I've watched the last few weeks. I've watched that Oregon team. And, of course, a new quarterback ever since Herbert left. Uh, and I think that would be a pretty fun matchup. I think two similar type of plays. Uh, good defenses, but even better offenses. Um, and, I, you know, there's been some projections out there, depending yeah. on what Oregon does. I know some of them have been going to college football playoff as of lately, but they weren't potential at Fiesta Bowl or something like that with BYU. Uh, I think that would be a fun one to see. And then, you know, listen, a lot of people hate the fact that 
if BYU does make a New Year's Six game, there's been some projections they'd play Cincinnati. I, I'm with the majority of the public. That sucks because as a former player, you always want to play against the best. And, of course, the P5s are the best. But if you had to play Cincinnati, I think that would be a pretty awesome matchup because they're, they're very similar as well. And I think it would – you know, then you could kind of take the title of the best, uh, the best G five. But um, I don't know. I, I think those couple matchups uh, would would be fun to watch. But listen, any opportunity, especially this year in a year where BYU didn't get to play a P five, uh, I think be able to match up and line up against a P five in the year would be kind of icing on the cake. So we'll we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, I'd love to see BYU play. You know, an Oregon or a USC or. Shoot, anybody, Oklahoma State. I know there were some initial projections of Oklahoma State. I mean, anybody like that would be fun to see how BYU matches up because, listen, I think we all agree, even as BYU fans, of course, we're with the blue goggles loving the top ten ranking right now. But even I think there's still a little bit out on, hey, are we really that good? And, and, and of course, in order to find that out, you got to play the best. And, and that's where I think hopefully they can make that New Year's Six Bowl game and, and play one of these P5s. So get controversial on us. You think they would beat the Utes this year, don't you? hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, listen, all the U fans out there, of course, you guys have won whatever, I don't know, nine, ten in a row. I don't even know what it's at right now. Uh, there's been there's been a dominance, and I think there is probably a little bit of a mental edge there right now uh, where, where BYU just for some reason, I mean, look at the last few years, they're up 20-0 at halftime. They somehow collapse, right? Uh, and so there is a little bit of a mental edge there, but I think that's, the thing about this BYU team, frankly, I, I think it's a team that's very mature. Um, and here's the bummer about this year is that we knew all along this was going to be BYU's year. I mean, the, the, all these guys, Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, the whole offensive line, the whole defense, Troy Warner, I mean, all these guys have been starting as freshmen for BYU. And we took our lumps years ago knowing that, hey, eventually it'll pay dividends. Eventually this team will grow up, they'll, they'll learn from their mistakes, and they'll go out there and, and be able to play the Utes and other teams and actually pull out wins versus, you know, top the game up. And so uh, it's a bummer that this year all the, all the cards are on the table for this year and, and BYU was looking like they were going to have a special year. Then, of course, COVID hit. And, of course, we can't tell whether uh, they beat the Utes or not. But, you know, I, I do. I think BYU would win this year. But, uh, you know, we'll never know, unfortunately. Or we'll find out Thanksgiving weekend. We just have to see how it plays out. You never know. Never know. David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. All right, fellas. Take care. David Nixon checking in, former BYU linebacker. We're going to talk with former Aggie quarterback Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us next. And for those of you craving NBA draft on the day the Jazz have made a trade, they've traded down from 23 to pick up two picks from the Knicks. At 27 and 38. Of course, that was a Woj bomb about an hour ago, 45 minutes ago. And uh, the Jazz have sent something out and confirmed it here in the last uh, 25 minutes. So everyone's redoing their mock drafts, and Ben Anderson's going to join us with his redone mock draft coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. If Rudy Gobert is eligible for a Supermax, but not given the Supermax, does that upset him to the point where like, wow, I've done everything that was asked of me and these guys don't apparently think I'm worth that. So if they're offering me 30 and somebody else is offering me 30, I'm going to go take the 30 from somebody else because they like me more. If I'm Rudy, I stop and I look at my deficiencies. I know I'm amazing in certain areas and I think to myself, well, where is the game going? Well, the game is going to stretch. Bigs. I can't even hit a jumper. Even if 
he gave him a Supermax contract, I don't know how marketable he is because he's a rim defender. And I just hope his representation is to a point where like, okay, let's be realistic about the situation. You're not Steph Curry. You're not LeBron James. You're not Giannis. Those are guys that are going to get Supermaxes and frankly deserve Supermaxes. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time now to talk college football with Riley Jensen, college football insider. Riley, good morning. What's happening, fellas? Well, it looks like the youths might play a football game. How excited are you, Riley? Oh, bumped. I can't even believe how excited I am. Wait. Football season's been a little bit disappointing. A little well, bit disappointing. That's your inner Aggie. The youths don't want your inner Aggie dragging them down. They don't need your negative energy. Well, okay, that's fair. But but I think they've been a little bit down, too, because, I mean, what, are they going to get three games this year? Four? I mean, come on. That's not fun. That's not happiness. It's my <laughs> inner PK that I'm – it's my inner PK that I'm channeling, not my inner Aggie. Man, I thought I was happy. Now I'm back no, to where I normally right? am. What is wrong? Who do who what happened to Riley? Actually I'm feeling better, come to think of it. I'm in I'm in my usual mood. This sucks. There you go. <laughs> it sucks. Riley, actually do the math on this. There's a chance they could play five games. Get out of town. Okay, okay. L- listen, Aggie math is tough for me. So, you know, I mean, listen, we you know, you get it. Aggie football is even tougher. You seen anything like this with the coach and now the quarterback? Oh, man, it, it, it sure feels like there's some messes to clean up right now, right? And I think I think the thing that's the hardest is, is when Gary came in, I think it was 2009, even though they didn't win, you felt the shift in the attitude. You felt the shift in momentum. And they didn't win right away, but you could, you could kind of tell that things were coming around. And then literally from like 2010 to 2000. 19, it's probably the best era of Utah State football that there's ever been with, I think, eight bowl games. You're talking about winning seasons. You're talking about guys going to the NFL and playing really well. And I I think what's disappointing is just two years ago, I mean, think about this. Just two years ago, Utah State was 11-2 and and ranked in the top 25. And now they're 0-4. We have a pandemic. Our pets' heads are falling off. I mean, there's all kinds of negativity out here. You buried the lead. Your your pets' heads are falling off. Holy cow. Let's start right. talking football and find out what the heck happened there. Well, it's just a dumb and dumber reference. Okay. You know, it's just like everything's going against us. So uh, how much of this do you think is talent, in which case that can take four years to rebuild, and how much of this is attitude, negative energy? Because I did think – there was a little uh, there was a little pep in the step at the start of the Fresno game that hadn't been there. Now Fresno may not be as good as the first three teams, so there's that. Um, but I, I thought the touchdown that made it twenty eight sixteen right before the half kind of took the zip out of the Aggies at that point. And you know, with the quarterback change, maybe there's some more negative energy being. Is the talent really that far down, or is there a major attitude adjustment required? And we're starting to see it. I think it's both. I mean, I do think that the talent is down. I think that there's players that are playing on the field right now. Obviously, I'm not going to get into specifics, but 
it, it looks a little bit more like the teams I played on instead of the teams that have been playing for the last nine years and winning bowl games and going to bowl games and, and playing really good football. So there, there are definitely some head scratchers for me where I'm looking at it going, how's that guy on the field? Like, that's not a Utah State team. And, you know, how, how easily we forget, you know, the Brent Guy era, how easily we forget the Dave Arslanian era where it wasn't good. You know, and um, so I think that's that's part of it. And then look, you can only put so much lipstick on a pig. And and when when it's not playing well, and when when you don't have the right guys, you can have a ton of attitude. You can have a ton of good things going on, but um, it's not necessarily going to translate to wins. Now it can it can translate to the right culture that you need going forward. It can translate to finding out who your players are, that it can actually play under pressure. And at this point, if, if, I, were, if I were Frank Miley, I, I don't think anything's off the table. I mean, I, I think you're playing guys that maybe you wouldn't play before. I think you're coaching guys up with the best energy that you can. And you're trying to find out who your players are. Now, he has a delicate line because he's also auditioning for a head coach position. And so um, – and, and I think we've talked about this on this show before, but to me, I can go around with any head coach in the country, including Frank Miley as an interim head coach. We can talk X's and O's for hours, and it will be a blast, and it would amaze you how much these guys know about X's and O's. But the thing that separates good coaches from great coaches is culture, is attitude, is enthusiasm for the game, is want to, and all those things that they preach a lot, but they don't necessarily spend a lot of time on. And so I think that's going to be the most important thing that you see for Utah State going forward. The season, in some ways, is already cooked. How do you salvage it? You salvage it with effort. How do you salvage it? You salvage it by building culture. How do you salvage it? You salvage it by um, making sure that these guys are given 100% effort. And that's what I'm looking for as as an Aggie alum, if I can put that hat on, and an Aggie fan is – Look, win, lose, or draw, I just want to see – I want to see effort. I want to see the effort that, that needs to take place to win ballgames. So this lady, Janine Shelley, I think it's Jason's mother. Uh, she's on Twitter with a couple of tweets on the 16th of November. If demonstrating passion for the game, frustration, or even verbal altercation is a violation of a, quote, team rule that warrants a dismissal, then USU is not the place for you. And he said, I'm incredibly disappointed with the recent turn events at Utah State, firing the head coach after three losses with a new OC, new QB, no spring ball, and during a pandemic, lacks empathy. Dismissing Jason a week later was no coincidence. Is he a scapegoat? No. I think, listen, is this his mom? Is this his sister? Who is this that's saying this? Janine Shelley. Who is that, Yach? I mean, I'm going to do some research. <laughs> do it. Clearly a relative. Clearly a relative, right? Yeah, and, she's and pitching with him in a Utah upset. uniform. Yeah, and and and, and uh, someone who's very disappointed about what's happening. Listen, it wasn't pretty on Saturday. It wasn't pretty on the sidelines. There's some things that I'm that that I won't mention on air that I that I think I'm privy to. They're they're all about not being a good teammate. And I think the worst thing, when my kids grow up, 
and 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 I have an eight and a six year old, and and I I just I just pray that sometime I get this compliment. The greatest compliment you could give my kids that would make me float high as a dad is your son, your daughter is an incredible teammate. We just love how much she's good to the other players and how she's the best player for the team or he's the best player for the team. The worst thing that you could tell me is that your son is a terrible, is a terrible teammate. And I'm not so sure that whoever this relative is, is completely aware of everything that's going on as a teammate. Riley, I have two quarterback questions about uh, Utah and BYU. The Utah question, which I want to hit you up here, is actually more about the Utah secondary and USC's quarterback. How much should Ute fans be worried about their uh, inexperienced secondary versus an NFL-quality quarterback at USC and NFL-quality receivers? And how much should they be encouraged that USC apparently – uh, is going to trip over themselves and leave the door open for big chunks of this game because that's what they've done in the first two games. Balance those two things for me. What am I going to see Saturday? So, so I think there's two things that um, that maybe if, if you're a defensive back out there listening or if you're a, a father of a defensive back out there listening, one of the things that you want to make sure is a true statement when you sign a Division One scholarship and you're a defensive back is – what does that defensive line look like? <laughs> because I've seen, I've seen average defensive backs become incredible defensive backs because of a good defensive line. And I've seen really, really good cornerbacks become average cornerbacks or defensive backs because of a really bad defensive line. So I think in some ways those two things are married. And I have a feeling that the defensive line is going to be pretty good for the University of Utah and it's going to give these defensive backs chances to grow into what they need to be. Listen, when, when Kyle Whittingham took his program into the Pac-12, I, did, I was not a believer, and this is, this is me calling myself out, I was not a believer that they were going to be able to move into the Pac-12 and play the man-to-man schemes and the blitzing schemes and get after teams like, like they had in the Mountain West Conference. I thought – Man, they're going to have to move to zone. Man, they're going to have to do some different things defensively, and that's going to be hard on their mindset defensively. And I was completely wrong. They have been able to play man-to-man this whole time. They've been able to recruit to it. I, I just don't see this being as big a deal as people are making it. Yeah, the coaches are a little bit concerned. Yeah, you should be concerned a little bit as a University of Utah fan. Are they going to be terrible? Is it going to be fart, fumble, and fall down out there? Absolutely not. And they're going to have a chance to play really, really good football because they're going to have a good defensive line. And I just don't see them ever having bad defensive backs. I mean, dude, they're putting defensive linemen, linebackers, and, and quarterbacks and safeties in the NFL like, like they're signing up for math 101 in college. I mean, there's so many people that are going. Well, if I farted, fumbled, and fell down, fetch. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to do that. You, you can't no. do it too much. But but every once in a while, we all fart, fumble, and fall down. <laughs> yeah, and then I follow it up with fetch. What the flip? I mean, come on. That's well, why I grew up, up in Phoenix. It's time to get up, start playing better. <laughs> 
All right, my second, my second question, if we can leave fart, fumble, and fall down behind us, just put that in the rear view mirror. Can you say that one more time? No, no, no. I'd like Yacht to, to drop that every once in a while. What, is it always in that order? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the alliteration there is, is, is pretty good with that order. I don't know. I mean, I guess it doesn't really really matter. Fart, fart, fumble, and fall down is what comes out, but it could be fumble, fart, fall down. It could be... Fall down, fart, and fumble. I don't care. Because I remember one time I was in the seventh grade, and one of my classmates, he sneezed and farted at the same time. I still remember this. I laughed hysterically. Thank you, PK. It was a little bit different order. I have that promo for today, by the way, Jeff. But it was simultaneous. He sneezed and farted right at the same time. You've never done that? You've never done that? No. (laughs) No. I'm guilty as charged. I've done that before. Wow, what a, con- a convergence of bodily functions. No, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we want to get off on bodily functions, is there anything better than a sneeze? Yes. I mean, dude, there's something about a sneeze that's awesome. Uh, maybe something maybe a couple of things, but I'll let that good. go. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had that, another question. But there's no, there's no point well, now, is there? What was your I mean, there's, question? There's really no point. Just keep, no... It, keep it simple. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm assuming. In the gutter? I'm assuming that we are going to see a lot of backups for BYU after they soundly thrash uh, 0-3 North Alabama early in the game. And I'm curious. I also expect to see Zach Wilson uh, getting picked pretty high in the NFL draft. So, how much of the quarterback play that we see? in this North Alabama game, is going to impact the battle to be the starting quarterback next year, assuming that Zach is gone? Ooh. I like that question. See, this is why you're good at your job. Uh, I think it matters. I think it matters. And I think that you, you should see a steady dose of Hall and you should see a steady dose of Romney. And I think it matters from the standpoint that in practice, it's really hard to replicate any sort of pressure at all. And uh, I, think, I think when you play Division One quarterback at Brigham Young University, you're a person who demands a high level of play out of yourself. And I think those two will feel the combined pressure of just playing good football for their teammates but for themselves. And I think, it'd be, I think it'd be, could be really revealing for the coaching staff uh, going into next year. I think that's a, I think that's a really good idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, we'll leave it there then. Although I know what's going to be <laughs> the talking point from this segment in the long run. <laughs> Thank you, I think, yeah, Riley. Just, just every once in a while, if you fart, fumble, and fall down, you got to clean up the mess and you got to move forward, okay, guys? So just, right. just get up and go. Well, if it's in the winter, move to Phoenix. <laughs> Riley, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. All right, DJ and PK, that is Riley Jensen, our college football insider, offering up a nugget for Ute fans, a nugget for Cougar fans, and a whole lot of thoughts on the Aggies there. Uh, When we come back, NBA draft is tonight. Jazz have already made a trade today. If you haven't heard about it, we'll get you up to speed. Ben Anderson's going to be here in 15 minutes, and we'll try to figure out a new mock draft for the Jazz and who they might be after. Stay with us. 
Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. For basketball insiders, he is Eric Pincus. Jordan Clarkson is a free agent. And as you know, he was extremely key to the Jazz having success last year. And his role off the bench was desperately needed. How hard do you think it's going to be for the Jazz to retain him? How painful will that be? If they're serious about keeping him, then I, I feel like $13, $14, 15000000 million a year in that range is reasonable. That's not bad money right now. I don't know where his mind is and what he wants to do. But to me, I feel like $15 million a year is about right to make sure he doesn't leave and, and take a short-term deal in free agency. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you apart by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res Clean before the holiday season. Clean in November. Make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res, it's the right way to clean. Call them at 801-288-9376. Well, PK, we got to get to the NBA draft, and the Jazz made a trade this morning. Yeah. we got Ben Anderson coming up next uh, to discuss that as the Jazz trade the 23rd pick. Get rid of that, but they get two picks back, 27 and 38, so they'll get another uh, young player into their, at minimum, I would think, into their G League team and see if they can develop them, and maybe that'll help them. Well, we will get to that in just a second. But and what's good about that is the 38, so we don't have to stay up all night. Nice. <laughs> 58, please, another hour? Come on. Oh, Come <laughs> to bed, man. Uh, but I think we have to make a little time here for something that, we didn't know in the last segment, and Yach, just as we went to break, uh, let me know that Tom Homo's out there trolling people. Now, it's low-level trolling. He's not really being mean about it because he's the AD and he's got to be responsible. But he's taking shots, and it's funny. And it's also true. <laughs> Folks, you scheduling gurus are slow this morning. Must have slept in. <laughs> and he's got people scrambling. People are tweeting back at him. Help, Tom, meaning. <laughs> My favorite is one says, I've got Ohio State's AD on the line. Can I patch you in? <laughs> nice. I don't think he's going to be calling Gene Smith, but I think there's a potential for some Pac-12 games now Clearly. that opened up. Yeah, and a Pac-12, Wilner reported that they're considering it, but we already knew that. Once uh, uh, Colorado said what they said, and once uh, Merton Hanks said what he said, that meant that, yeah, they would be open to non-conference games, particularly here in the West. They they need BYU. to they need to fulfill their TV contract here. Every time that they put a game on, it's five million dollars. Mark Harlan told us that earlier this year. And so if That's you have a team that can't play, but you have a team that can, well, schedule on a conference game. Don't let that team sit at home. Now this past weekend they were able to fix it. There were two teams that couldn't go, but the two teams that could on short notice made it happen. Uh, UCLA got the win. Cal got beat, but you know Cal took one for the team. Maybe they weren't prepped, and I don't know how many guys they were missing. To all your points about this isn't a real year in college football, but they played the game, and presumably they get five million bucks for that. <laughs> so if you end up with an odd number of teams, if you have eleven teams that can go one weekend, well, let somebody play a non-conference game. Yeah, I mean, Yach and I were talking. The best thing about that game is we finally have to don't have to hear you say, "Well, Cal's undefeated when Garbers plays." <laughs> that is a true conversation that we had. Yeah, the defense didn't look as good, did it? But we don't well, have to talk about Garbers. They were down two offensive so defensive linemen. linemen, and that goes back to Riley's point about defensive linemen make everybody else look better. Of course they do. Go get the quarterback. And That's UCLA threw three. concerned about this secondary with Utah because they returned a lot of guys and they drafted three guys off that defensive line. It's amazing. So, Tom Homo there, clearly aware of what's going on. And uh, 
and ready to tweak all the people who who well, tweet him all the time. Interest, he'll get it done. That, that, okay, but don't facts. you think it it goes to what you said about the Utes earlier? What? BYU right now is getting all the credit for the schedule that they were willing to put together that then fell apart because conferences, you know, teams weren't playing, conferences aren't playing, non-conference games. All, so it all falls apart. They still, I just was watching ESPN last night, and they were doing their road to the playoffs thing, and they spent a few minutes you know, talking about what Cincinnati and BYU would have to do to break the Power Five's hold on the playoff and get one of those teams in. And Kirk Herbstreit brought it up. He said they had a great schedule. They aren't allowed to play it. They are crushing the schedule they're playing by an average score of 45 to 14. But if BYU gets caught ducking a Power 5 team, all those good vibes are going to go away. So if a Pac-12 or whoever you know, needs to fulfill a, a TV contract and offers BYU a game, don't they have to take it? Uh, David Nixon was talking earlier about you got to be smart, and that made sense when he said it, but now the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking you can't turn it down. On the surface, all things being equal, but they can concoct some COVID thing or whatnot. Well, yeah, if you had that. An injury and to Zach Wilson. I mean, any number of things can happen. So I can't just make a blanket statement and say under any and all circumstances, if they don't do that, they're a bunch of babies and deserve the Idaho Bowl or what it might be. So I can't say that for sure, but the premise is something that I think they would do anyway so we wouldn't have to worry about saying it. Why not shoot for the moon? Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get in the playoff. I, I think in order to get in the playoff, you got to be in a P5. And yep. it's, it's somewhat of a joke, but it's a beauty contest. So be it. And, and I'm not really even worried about that. I, I would love for them to get – I think San Jose State's a decent test. We all agree with that. And then if they could add another test and then a bowl game would be presumably another test, that's plenty of tests right there. And then for what their what their end goal is, there, it may not be plenty of tests to get into the playoff, but they're not going to get in the playoff anyway. They're just not going to allow them in there. So the opportunity to get in the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl, and then if they run through that and they're undefeated and they're ranked sixth or seventh, yeah. Yeah, Jesse, Best case scenario. Great. Je- Jesse Palmer's right there. After listening to all that, he said Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame. The ACC is going to get two teams in, and it's Ohio State and Alabama, and there's your four. Right. <laughs> that's that's yeah. how it's going to play out. Yeah. And so, so they got to that in the discussion. And I agree with that yeah. right now. Yes, I can, I can very much see that as long as Notre Dame doesn't slip up anyplace else. Yeah, the uh, North so, Carolina was a game they all talked about there. Yeah, and I, and I understand that. And I'll be rooting for the Irish to have that happen. It would be fun. Uh, I'd like to see them get in there. Uh, I go. I grew up, you know, somewhat of as a Notre Dame fan uh, because it was in the heritage. Uh, so that'd be great. But that that they're not going to allow BYU in. So what's the best case scenario for BYU? Is to get in, add a game, There's, beat that opponent, beat the Aztecs, and then get a game in one of those high level bowl games. Win that. You will have. So you will have had. That's that's three tests. Boise's a fourth. That that's good. That's that it may not be as good as it would have been, but when you look at that schedule that they had, I mean, what are we looking at? Minnesota? Are we looking at Michigan State? Now, yeah, they don't look any good. Missouri. Missouri. I was just going to say them next, and we really don't know about the other teams. Arizona. Uh, wait, was it ASU? ASU, right? Yeah. It was ASU. Well, we they're, they're okay. But, ASU, you know, Stanford, and San Diego State, and Stanford, Stanford looks like sucks. Or San Diego State. What am I doing? I was about to tell you something <laughs> about San Diego State. It'd be Arizona State, Stanford, and Utah. So I could argue if they get another game, if they get the, a decent bowl, I can argue the four tests 
really not, not that, that much no. different. And I think David Nixon's absolutely right. Everybody was pointing to this season. We thought they were going to be good because they paid their dues. They took their lumps by starting all these young guys. And now they've got all this experience. And so here they are, and away they go. And sort of like Dayton in basketball. You know, they they had a bunch of experience. Guys, they're not this big powerhouse name, but Toppin was at the top of his game, and he's going to be a high pick. And, you know, and then they got the – they didn't get an opportunity to show it in the NCAA tournaments, which sucks for them. It's the same thing with BYU. They were going to be good this year. There's just no doubt they are going to be good. They're, they're, it was going to be the best team Kalani had with his guys, not the first year when he took over for Bronco with Taysom and Jamal. And so, with that in mind, if they can add one and the bowl and win these games and go undefeated, that, that's a really good season. Pat them on the back, away you go, and hopefully for them, go cash in on it on recruiting. Minnesota, Michigan State, Missouri, Stanford, Utah, and ASU. Those six teams are combined 4-12 and 12 right now. Well, it's an unfair thing to put ASU and Utah in there because we don't know. Utah's uh, of that four and twelve. Utah's zero and zero, and ASU's zero and one. Right, with a one point loss on the road to SC. They might have been good. They may have be. They may still be good. Uh, And in my mind, they'll be good enough because they weren't going to suck that bad to where picked second and third in their division. That's they were both expected to be at least in that eight win territory, if not better. Uh, yeah. Right now, Missouri is two and three, and Minnesota, Michigan State are each one and three. Stanford's zero and two, so that's where they sit right now. All right, the San Diego State note: If you're a BYU fan and you want to start scouting that San Diego State uh, team, they are playing Nevada, and that game PK got moved into the SEC time slot. So Saturday, Sweet. good for them. Saturday afternoon, Channel Two exposure for the Mountain West. Absolutely, I'm great. It's awesome. I view myself as a little guy, so I want to see that. I'll be watching that game for sure. Will Romeo Dubs do it again? Nevada's receiver, he looks really good. Eight touchdown passes, and most of them, he runs post patterns. They hit him 50 yards downfield, and he'll go up in between two guys if he has to. Or he'll yeah. just run behind everybody. Where, Romeo, Romeo, where, where for art thou? thou right? In the end zone. <laughs> he is. He had a toe-tapping catch last week on the back line in the end zone. It was very uh-huh. well done. Very well done. Had the game winner against Wyoming in OT. Romeo Dubs, watch for him this Saturday for Nevada. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, NBA Draft. Tonight, show starts at 5, draft at 5.30, Ben Anderson next, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com. He does the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows here. You hear him on The Zone. His mock draft, he's got to tweak it now. He'll have an update for you after the Jazz trade pick 23 to the Knicks this morning for 27 and 38. Ben Anderson next. Stay with us.